on a busy Wednesday afternoon and always fun to have uh, Kevin Longquist on with us from Rivals.com. You can see him on Twitter at Sikkim Sports, and he's been tweeting today about the big breaking news in uh, in Baylor territory here. With um, I was trying to see, uh, Kevin, I just looked at my Twitter mentions, and something I said has really blown up. I was trying to see. It always worries me. I'm like, what did I say earlier? But <laughs> I, I think all the Baylor people, Kevin, are interested in this Kyron Drones decision to enter the transfer portal. I, I would say none of us are that surprised uh, on the timing of this. But, Kevin, are you are, is there any part of you that was thinking, maybe Drones, that they would actually have a competition uh, in the spring, even with Novosad perhaps showing up early, uh, and I, again, I'm not even saying he's going to be in the competition, but are you, were there any surprise for you when you saw this announcement? No, um, I think it was just a case where, uh, the fact that, you know, if you really wanted to know what, where this was going was probably the Kansas state game where, you know, obviously Baylor was out of that game pretty fast and, if you wanted to really get a good look at Kyron for to see what he could potentially offer your program moving forward in the coming years, maybe late third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter would have been a great time to do that, but they didn't do that. They didn't play him and they let Blake finish the game. And I think that was kind of a telltale sign of where this was going with Kyron. And that's a little disappointing because I thought Kyron was you know, credible in the West Virginia game when he came in for a shape and when he went down with a concussion injury but it was pretty clear, though, that uh, it just seems like that there just wasn't a fit there for what Jeff Grimes wants to do with this offense and how Kyron fits it. And so, you know, Baylor's going to go into this quarter, into this bowl game, Matt, with only one scholarship quarterback, and that's uh, Blake Shapin. And his presumed backup is going to be the walk-on, Luke Anthony. And then, you know, you get Austin, Austin Novoset, who obviously everything points to him signing in mid-December, and then he'll arrive in January. And my belief, to be honest with you, Matt, is that I think this is going to be a true quarterback competition when they get to spring next year because Blake didn't do anything this year that would warrant that he is the anointed one, if you will, to be the starting quarterback next year. He's going to have to work to keep the job. Well, I, I still think the way that Baylor views it is that it's Shapin's job to lose. And Baylor fans in some media might say, well, he did his best to go lose it. He had some really good moments this season. Uh, he had some maddening moments. He, he makes way too many errors and mistakes uh, in the red zone. I mean, you know, there are certain parts of the field where you just can't, like, give away points, uh, whether it be in your own. And for him, it's especially – when the Bears get close to the goal line, which is interesting because sometimes, I mean, it's not like he hasn't made some great throws down in that area and, and knows how to punch it in, but I think Grimes got into a situation where, I mean, he almost had to call plays around Blake. Uh, and, and that's a tough, tough thing to do. It's like, we got to run the ball. I think you had to get into a game, like the, the Oklahoma game, for instance, and go, well, he's not really sharp. 
If they have any chance of running, uh, winning this game, we're going to have to bludgeon them and beat them up in the run game. And they did that. And they ran for like right. 300 yards or something like that. But it's nice to know. And, and uh, what Gary brought was he, even if you didn't trust him completely in the passing game, you trusted him to maybe to make the right decisions, and then he also brought the legs. And uh, I think the people that were, uh, you know, were were thinking that they they made the wrong call here are justified now in crowing about that a little bit, uh, because of course you know I I think um, I think Gary gave them some stuff leadership wise and running. Now that's not to say Shapen can't, but. It'd be good for Shapin to be pushed a little bit. What I don't know, and what you can help provide, is you've watched Novosad. Okay, you've mm-hmm. seen him at camps. You've seen some of his film at Dripping Springs. For all I know, you may have seen the team play at some point. You've at least watched the film of it. Right. Is this guy, is this guy showing up on campus with the mindset of, I feel like I'm the dude who can play right away. Is that is that because not every freshman coming in is wired that way? Is 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 he is? Do you get the sense that that's who this guy is? Like I'm going to come in here and try to win this job immediately. I think he's the kind of guy that can walk into this situation, Matt, in January when he arrives, and think I've got a shot to win it. Um, because of the fact of the things that you just mentioned where Blake failed in the red zone so many times, whether or not some of those mistakes were his or somebody else's or whatever, you know, and it was just uh, the way the play unfolded, that sort of thing. But if I'm Austin Novoset, I look at this and say, I've got a shot. And if I really perform to a high level throughout the offseason program, January to March, and then when spring football starts and then goes all the way through April, whenever those dates are, I've got to feel like I've got a shot to to do this because look, look, your quarterback can't turn it over at, to any degree, Matt. We all know this. This is not like it's uh, any foreign language to anyone. When your quarterback, like Blake, has twelve turnovers in the last eight games, nine interceptions, three fumbles, and it doesn't matter if passes go off shoulders, shoulder pads of wide receivers or whatever, that's still on him. When you turn it over at the rate that Blake did, that's a problem. And sure, he can use the offseason to digest film, to make better decisions, you know, just work on how he can be a better quarterback because this was his first full year to start and that sort of thing. And maybe there is a bit of latitude given toward that. But at the same time, I don't think that this is a case where if the Baylor coaches feel like this or anybody in this camp feels like this is Blake's job to lose in 2023, I think they're misreading it. This needs to be a position of battle where the guy who doesn't make mistakes in the spring, and it's a heck of a lot different during the season, but if he make, but he, if he is sharp getting the ball out, making the right decisions, and putting the offense in a position where it can succeed, especially in the red zone, then you go with him. And it doesn't matter to me if it's going to be shaping mm-hmm. or if it's going to be your true freshman Novosad. And if I'm Novosad, I have to take that attitude when I step foot on campus in January because if I don't, then I'm automatically conceding the job to Shapen. Yeah, and and to fill this room out, I would go get a transfer too. I I would try to go find somebody in the portal or something because I right now this is a thin this is a thin uh, quarterback room, and as you pointed out, they're about to go into a bowl game with one scholarship quarterback. 
Um, I, I absolutely think there is some latitude. And, and, I, and I would just say that Grimes has been in a situation where he saw a quarterback go through some of the same mistakes and the same youthful uh, sort of, uh, you know, that, that gunslinger mentality that Zach Wilson had. And he came out on the other side of it and turned himself into this incredible uh, NFL prospect. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's not going smoothly for him. I, I'm just, but <laughs> right. I'm with you. The, the door, but I, I, what, the only thing that I think you and I differ from a lot of these fans is, uh, and, and a lot of your readers and our listeners, is that we still see a scenario where Blake Shapen is a very successful quarterback at Baylor. Like, I don't think either one of us has closed the book on that happening. I think a lot of people who observe this are like, okay, he's done. He's demonstrated he can't do it. And, and again, his first full year as quarterback, uh, and he's a young guy with two seasons left. So I think we would be – I think we're being a little too dismissive of him. Let me switch uh, sports real quick. Uh, and talking to Kevin Longquist on uh, on Rivals. And by the way, before I switch sports, Rivals.com, you can follow him at Sikkim Sports. The, the portal, uh, as we know it, has already opened. Now, officially, the portal window opens up December 5th. But all these announcements, obviously, you think schools are going to wait till December 5th to reach out to some of these players? No, they're not. They're going to find a way no. to uh, to get in position and go after some of these Baylor has not been hugely active in the portal. Knowing what you know about who is leaving this program and who's staying, I'm not talking about portal guys. I'm talking about who has eligibility left. Um, Could we see Baylor be a little more opportunistic and a little more aggressive in the portal? Uh, I I think you could. I think, you know, given the fact that they are going to have some major losses with the defensive line. Uh, I, I think that would behold them to at least take a look at the portal from that standpoint. Same thing with the linebacker situation. I mean, this this defense is going to be pretty inexperienced next year, Matt. And I think they need to take a look at you know what would be available to them and who could contribute. Of course, you know they tried this last year when they brought in Jackson Player from Tulsa, the Waco kid to see if they could, he could offer some support at the nose behind Apu, and it didn't really turn out that way. And so I think the one thing I always caution people about the portal is that well, there's really two things. When you go get the portal guide, make sure that he has some sort of track record of success behind him, but also understand, secondly, that there's a reason he's in the portal because he wasn't very good to begin with, or he just had some sort of falling out with the coaching staff of the school that he left, and so, or you know, or if it's a group you, of five. Well, no, the other thing, I was, yeah. Well, let me so let me finish your Matt real quick. Let me finish real quick. So I think that the, the point you need to make here with the guy like this is that you've got to make sure that what you're projecting could be an equal or slight upgrade to what you have. And that's really hard to do in the portal. I mean, unless you're like Burton or uh, or, or any or Gibbs, you know, the two kids that left Georgia and Alabama or excuse me, Georgia and Georgia Tech to go to Alabama, you're, you know, you're not going to get that kind of serious upgrade from the portal. So that's just the one thing that i got to caution people about the portal. It's And the other thing I'll say, too, is that just because you get in the portal doesn't mean that you're going to find Shane Grilla. Yeah, yeah, I uh, 
You think all our audience knows what Shangri-La is? I feel like our younger, <laughs> our younger audience gets left out in the cold <laughs> with Shangri-La. <laughs> I thought you'd like that, by the way. I do like Shangri-La. I like the one that's in no, Arkansas, like the Shangri-La, whatever. <laughs> I, like a, I like that version of Shangri-La. Uh, it, I did want to bring up with you um, this basketball game last night. Uh, I, again, too early, too early to go into a full-blown panic. But I mean, to have such a seasoned, great program that's ranked six in the country show up in Milwaukee and and, and you're playing a shock of smart. You know, obviously they handled him pretty nicely for years when he was at Texas. In fact, Drew's record was ten and two. Now, occasionally you just walk into a buzzsaw. And, and maybe it's like one of these bowl games. Maybe one team was way up for it, and for whatever reason, Baylor was thinking about Gonzaga. But I got to tell you, you know, and, and I got to look back and review that because I was driving for some of it. But I, I was able to, to see enough to know, I mean, you get annihilated, uh, you, you know, you get a million turnovers, I forget how many it was in the first half. Maybe like sixteen. You only had 16, four in the second half. 16. But that yeah. that's embarrassing. You're not taking care of the ball. Uh, you're get you're giving up huge amount of second chance points, and then you're not defending, and you're giving up three more than the lack of offensive production. What scares me is this looks like a leaky, bad defensive team right now. And that has not been the case in recent years with Scott Drew teams. Yeah, uh, that's the thing that scares you. I mean, look at it this way, Matt. I mean, you had two segments of that game last night where Marquette had 15 consecutive made shots, you know, nine in the first half on that opening run that pretty much put the game out of reach. And then they opened up the second half with six consecutive made shots. And yeah, that's really hard to do, by the way, uh, to, for, uh, for that many possessions to knock those down in succession. And it's just a matter of challenging. It's a matter of effort. It's a matter of, you know, you know, making your switches and communicating with each other on the floor. And that just didn't happen last night. And then the other thing I will say to you beyond the defensive issues is the fact that this team, we have some really serious, uh, issues in the block with them. I mean, you're not getting anything from Flo Thamba. I mean, look, that's what Flo is. If you can, if you could ever get consistently six and eight or seven and nine out of Flo, you would love it, but that's not who he is. You know, he had that stretch last year uh, after JTT went down and, and that's where we thought maybe he had turned a corner, but we're kind of back to where we are with him. And then you have Jalen Bridges, the, the West Virginia transfer who comes in performs pretty well against the cupcake teams, if you will, but he hasn't really performed in the games that have been worth stand-up moments. Had two points in the two games between Virginia and UCLA out in Las Vegas last week. Had eight, oh, by the way, points yesterday uh, against Marquette. And they've got to get something from the front court, Matt, because if they don't, and you're asking for Keontae George, LJ Cryer, and Adam Flagler to try and carry the team night in and night out, which you can because you hit if you have guards that score. But if but if you're looking for a balanced approach, Baylor's not getting it right now, and they're becoming oh. easier and easier to fit. And those shots are going to be harder for those guys to get if nobody respects Baylor in the block. 
Yeah. Well, you, but you got to defend before you do anything else, and 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 those sure. are just wide open threes after threes. And I was looking it up while you were giving that really nice answer, and um, I just a reminder that a guy, you know, generally Baylor does not have good players leave this program. I mean, I I could you could Al Freeman was a pretty good player, went to NC State, but I mean, for the most part, they don't have good players leave. Matt Meyer was kind of right. a different case. And uh, Meyer's not exactly lighting it up at Illinois, but you know who is? You know who's been great for Illinois? Is that that guy, Dane Donja. And when you were just describing, like, mm-hmm. what Baylor's missing in the front court, it's that guy. Yeah. Like, they, they yeah. like he's averaging um, he's averaging 12 points and, and uh, let me look at it real quick, uh, uh, 6.3 rebounds and 12 points a game right now. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, big. And, and yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Uh, and Dane Donja was in your program for a couple of seasons, and obviously he was not seeing the time. I think one year he might have got redshirted, and uh, so he has now become a big time contributor at Illinois, and in fact is their second leading scorer. So that may be one of the rare cases where the bears let a really, really good player get away. And part of this of course is because Chamu Chachua was becoming that kind of player, someone that could give them scoring as well as huge intensity. What they're going to have to have is loners going to have to score more because he is talented mm-hmm. and he is a bruising type player, but he and Jalen Bridges, boy, if they're not going to score, uh, you're right. You're going to have to go to a four guard offense, and you're going to have to put Bonner or uh, or uh, uh, or uh, Langston Love on the court with those three guards, and you're just going to have to ride with it and play small ball. I mean, they're going to close sure. games I mean, if you, with small ball. Yeah, they have to. They, I mean, because at this point, you you can't feel like you're going to have anything on inside. Uh, not only so much from a, a scoring pers- uh, perspective. Matt, but also guys that can protect the rim, and that's just not what they're getting. Sure, I mean, last night Marquette had wide-open threes that you and I could have knocked down, which would have been really scary had that happened. But I mean, but at the same time, you know, but if guys are driving to the rim and you don't have enforcers in there that are going to just say none shall pass in this respect, then you become so much easy. Then you become a team that becomes exposed. And to your point earlier about if they were looking ahead to Gonzaga – if that really is a thing, then shame on them because that game is three days away from the from the tip off of last night. They're not playing till Friday in, in South in Sioux Falls. And here's the other thing: if they're like this in the block, what is Drew Timmy capable of doing for Gonzaga against them in the front court Friday night? That's the thing that concerns me because that's if you can't defend, and they've already had issues with that. But if you can't defend and if you really can't push Drew Timmy out of there. He could get twenty-five to thirty on them, and they've got to find a way to make sure that they that they keep Gonzaga on the arc or in or or off the you know or out of the lane to some extent to give themselves a shot on Friday. Yeah, well, he he they embarrassed Drew Timmy two years ago in the national title game, and so if you don't think he's showing up looking for some redemption, you don't know basketball, and and he'll have that for uh, sure, and, and he'll have that Fu Manchu. He'll have that really good-looking mustache, <laughs> and he'll be ready to go. I could see you in a Fu Manchu. That would be a great look for you. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't go over very well in the household. That would have been – been, uh, if I tried that, that would have been – what are you doing? 
Oh, and then that would have been over after that. I think she'd love it. <laughs> I think she'd love it. Okay, uh, Kevin, all our best. Uh, we appreciate you and look forward to, to talking to you soon. Absolutely, Matt. Take care. Kevin Longquist, our um, recruiting expert, uh, expert on a, in a lot of ways, uh, from Rivals.com, joining the Matt Mosley Show.